Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. This week, we discuss that in-between time. A change has occurred, but is not fully complete. So what do we do in between? You're listening to In the Meantime by Guest Minister Reverend Stan Mast. Good morning to you all. It is uh, good to see you again. Sort of. It is good to be with you. This is a, one of those odd Sundays in the church year. It's kind of a in-between day between the high holiness of Christmas and the uh, high unholiness of New Year. A day when it's a little down. It always felt that way to me when I was a pastor here. So I thought I'd uh, preach on the in-between of life by using Psalm 126 and Galatians chapter 4. Psalm 126 goes like this. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. And then over to uh, Galatians 4, which uh, Mike already read, but it'll pay to hear it again, beginning with verse 3 of Galatians 4. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive full rights of the sons and daughters of God. Because you are God's children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child of God. And since you are a child of God, God has also made you an heir. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, people of God, does, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Does anybody know where those questions came from? Of course, the rock group Chicago, from back in my youth. But those are also my questions for you this morning. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? When I asked that question the first time, I saw a couple of you sneak a look at your watches. But I'm talking about something much deeper and more meaningful than that. I suspect that all of you know those famous words of Charles Dickens, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And the words that follow, it was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. I wonder which of those it is for you today. 
If you're a teenager looking forward to the end of the school year, if it ever gets here, you might be looking forward to it as a time of freedom or a time of fear. My wife taught for years and years in high school, and she said some kids can't wait to get free, and other kids really are looking with some fear at the lack of structure and relationship that comes after school. If you're in the middle of life, many of you are all caught up in, in career and family. I wonder if this is a time of excitement because of all the opportunities or a time of challenge and you're exhausted by it all. Or if you've reached my time in life, the, the later years, I wonder if you're experiencing them as golden or as a time of loss. One thing after another seems to go away. The best of times or the worst of times? What is it? And how about the world in, in which we live? One of the last issues of Time magazine talked about all the things that divide our country, and it said there's one thing in which we're all united. I'll read you a little bit of that. The things that divide unprecedented political polarization, deep and accelerated inequality, vitriolic public discourse, private and public self-centeredness, but the one thing about which we all agree is that this is the worst of times. You agree? Well, whether you do or not, whether you see this as the best of times or worst of times, I'm here this morning with the good news that we are all living in the meantime. God's meantime. And understanding that will change the way you live in the times of your life. We're all living in God's meantime. What does that mean? Well, I take you to Psalm 126, a plaintive prayer for the meantime. You noticed, I'm sure, that there are two stanzas in it, verses 1 through 3 and verses 4 through 6. They're linked by the idea of restoration. Verse 1, in the version I read to you, says, When you brought the captives back to Zion. But another translation, I think a better translation, is when you restored the fortunes of Zion. And then verse 4 says, Restore our fortunes, O Lord. So you've got two things going on. When you restored our fortunes, O Lord, and restore our fortunes, O Lord. What in the world is going on there? Well, Israel is living in the meantime. God has brought them back from captivity in Babylon. He's restored them to the promised land. But the promised land desperately needs restoration. They came back to ruined homes, fields sown with weeds, hostile neighbors, families scattered all over the empire yet. 
the golden city of Jerusalem tarnished and broken, the temple in ruins, and, and their wonderful covenant God a mystery to them. If he's our covenant God, how could, how could all this be? They were filled with joy sometimes because God had restored them. And they were filled with sorrow and frustration other times because so much needed to be restored. They were living in the meantime. Between the wonderful things God had done and the things they were begging him to do. Now, you know all about the mean times, don't you? After the first service, an old friend grabbed me in the office back there, and I said, how are you? And he said, in the meantime. His wife died just a short time ago, and he's in the meantime. We're in the meantime in this pandemic, aren't we? I mean, 10 months of, of suffering and death behind us. There's a vaccine. Hope. There's a long way to go before this is done. Distribution, vaccination, and lots of resistance to it. As a country, we're living in a COVID meantime. Let's get a little more personal. I, I, I imagine a teenager watching online, and she's happy that she's back with her boyfriend after they broke up last spring. But there are still things to work out. They're not perfect yet. She's in the meantime between no boyfriend and what she really wants. Many of us celebrate the fact that the stock market has bounced sky high after 2008, after COVID hit, but with all the political upset and all the pandemic, who knows when it's going to dive again? You're my age. You're happy for a long life, but you also know that Reverend Eppinger's famous saying is so true, growing old isn't for sissies. It's not. And then there's the, the great in-between, the great mean time of salvation. Jesus died and rose, and so our sins are forgiven. We're adopted as children. The Spirit lives within. Praise God. But there is a long way to go before all things are restored. The Lord has restored our fortunes. And restore our fortunes, O Lord. Which is why we want to leave the meantime prayer of Psalm 126 and go to its spectacular answer in Galatians 4 where we run into the idea of the fullness of time. When the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law and to give them their full rights as God's children. Jesus came into our mean times when the time had fully come. That means that, that overarching and undergirding all the times of our lives, there's God's time. And at the heart of God's time is Jesus Christ. And that 
makes all the difference. Understanding that and living in the fullness of God's time will give you joy and peace no matter what mean time you're living in. Let's dig into that just a little deeper. Galatians 4 verse 5 says that God sent forth His Son to redeem those under the law. What does that mean? What's the law? To redeem those under the law. Well, that's talking about God's law, obviously, first of all. The law God gave from Mount Sinai, the law designed to be a blessing, but which often feels like a curse. A law given to show us how to live free lives, but which often feels very restrictive, often brings on a great deal of guilt. To redeem those born under that law, but there's more than that. There's a little phrase there in, in verse 3 which talks about being in slavery to the basic principles of the world. I studied that for a long time. The elemental forces of the universe, another translation. What is Paul talking about? Well, I think he's talking about all the rules we have in life to help us manage the chaos. The rules that help us survive and thrive and, and make it to the end. Some of you might know the name of Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Uh, he is reputed to be one of the leading public intellectuals of our time. He wrote a book, The Twelve Rules for Living, in which he lays out 12 rules for living. Rules like this, stand straight with your shoulders back. Always make friends with people who have your best interests at heart. Make sure your own house is in perfect order before you set out to criticize the world. They make sense. They're helpful. But having read the book, I can tell you that those simple rules for living are philosophically complicated and theologically problematic. If you read the book, I hope you'll catch that. Much, much more accessible and helpful are the rules for living laid down by Robert Fulgham in his classic book, Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Remember that one? It was popular 20, 30, 40 years ago. Years tend to blend in when you get to my age. Everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Rules like share everything, play fair, don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Sixteen rules in that delightful little book. And we all have rules for our lives. We need them to manage the chaos. But as helpful and true as those basic principles of the world are, Paul is telling us here in Galatians 4 that God has something better for us. A way of living that's more satisfying, more liberating, more joyful and peaceful. And that is to center our lives on what happened in the fullness of time. Or better yet, on him who is at the center 
of time. In this text, God invites all of us to center our lives on Jesus who came to set us free and fill up our lives. But that's not so easy when you think about it, to center your life on Jesus. I mean, with all the things around us that distract us, the rules, the duties, the privileges, the pleasures, everything happening in the world, in our families, it is hard to center your life on Jesus. You're always being pulled by your computer or your phone or your friends to something else. How do you center your life on Jesus? Well, I go back to that song by Chicago. Does anybody really know what time it is? How can you tell what time it is? Well, you look at your clock or the calendar. And that's what we do in the church. We look at the calendar. Not the secular calendar. The secular calendar used to point us to Christ. Remember those days when time was divided into B.C. and A.D.? Before Christ, in the year of our Lord, you can't find a calendar that has that anymore. It's now B.C.E. and C.E. Before the common era and the common era. The world has taken Christ out of the center of the calendar. Which is why we can rejoice that we have a church calendar. With Christ all over it. I'm talking, of course, about Advent and Christmas, and Epiphany, and Lent, and Easter, and Pentecost. Those times when we celebrate the great things God has done for us in Christ. And then comes ordinary time from Pentecost to Advent again. No big festivals to celebrate, but the focus on what it means to follow this Christ who's done all these things for us. Always the calendar of the church points us to what is most important in time. Not the seasons of the year. Not the sports seasons. Not the electoral cycle or the calendar of the United Nations. Not the ups and downs of the stock market or the ecstasies and agonies of our little lives. What matters the most is what God has done and is doing and will do in Jesus Christ. When we remember that, we'll realize that we are living right now in the meantime of the fullness of time. God has done great things. Jesus has been born he lived, he died, he rose, he ascended. But he's not done redeeming the world yet. God will do even greater things when Jesus comes back from that throne. He'll restore us and the world completely. All, all of God's wandering children will come back home. Justice and peace, now so much at war, will embrace those who've gone out with seeds, weeping at the state of things, will return with sheaves, rejoicing at what God has done. 
And God will create a brave new world. The new heavens and the new earth. The new Jerusalem in which there will never again be heard the sound of crying or sighing or dying ever again. And we, says Galatians 4, will be completely free and enjoying all the fullness of life as God's adopted and inherited children. If we remember that we are living in the meantime of the fullness of time, we won't get sucked into living as though this time, this moment, this meantime is all there is. In her delightful little book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, Tish Warren gave a little analogy that helped me to think about that. She says, what if we all forgot our destination? I just said that our destination is the, the new heavens and the new earth in which we will thrive as human beings. Let me make that a little more homey. <clears throat> what if on your way to the grave this morning, your destination you forgot your destination. You took a wrong turn. You, you, you got confused. You got lost. And you ended up not on the grave, your destination, but on US 131 under the Wealthy Street Bridge. What if on the way to your destination, you forgot your destination, your, your commitment to get here to the grave, and you ended up under that bridge, and you decided that downtown Grand Rapids under the bridge is all there is. And so you park your car, you get out, you get into your trunk, you pull out the tent and sleeping bags that you always keep there, you set up camp. Somebody pulls a grill out of a pickup and starts a barbecue, a poker game breaks out, we're not going anywhere. Eventually, we say, there's nowhere to go. And we simply make ourselves comfortable as we can. People begin to hoard food. Fights break out. Gangs form for protection. There's the southbound gang and the northbound gang, and they each elect leaders, and they shout at each other over the median. People siphon gas. Battle over jumper cables to keep their batteries going. We each stake out our own little piece of territory on US 131 under the bridge, and we eke out our existence in that barren place, believing that gasoline fumes and concrete pillars are all there is to the world. This is all there's ever been. And this is the way it'll always be. Now, I know that that's <clears throat> preposterous. When I read that illustration to my wife from that book, she said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Who would do that? That's exactly what happens when we focus on the meantime whether it's political or economic or health or personal, 
When we focus on the meantime and forget that we are living in the fullness of time on our way to our destination. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Well, God did. And he cared so much that he sent his son into the chaos of our times. So whether it's the best of times or the worst of times, it is always, always Christ's time. And I promise you, he will fully restore your life and his world when God's time has fully come. In the meantime, trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for coming down into the chaos of our times. We love you for doing that. You've changed everything already, but not yet completely. We praise you for what is to come. And we pray that you'll help us to live in the meantime of our lives, centered on you, looking to you, trusting you even as the world around us is in chaos. Lord Jesus, help us to count time God's way and be at peace. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.